Thank you. Appreciate that. And good morning, New Hope, both watching online and also on campus. I'm Ryan, the lead pastor here, and uh, it is a joy and privilege to be uh, together this morning. And uh, so if you would, please grab your Bibles and turn to the Gospel of Mark chapter 1. And as you're doing so, just to echo what was already shared, we are very thrilled to partner with Pastor Joy and the Bible College that is there. If you want to learn more about the school and what they're doing, if you go to the church website, and click on the link we support. All of our partners are there and you can read about all the different partners, whether it's international or local, including the school to find out more about them. Speaking of missions and missionary work, just a reminder as well, please be praying for Pastor Tom as he is right now in Ethiopia, boots on the ground, serving there and investing into pastors and leaders there. And I know he would appreciate uh, prayer uh, for his ministry there. He comes back to us and will be here on campus next Sunday and hopefully Hopefully we'll get a chance to learn more about his trip. So thank you for praying uh, for, for that. Now, as you're turning to Mark, remember last Sunday, we launched a brand new sermon series called The Servant, and we are working our way, uh, just getting started really, all the way through Mark, and, and it's going to be a great journey as we learn more about Jesus. In fact, our goal is that we want to learn more about Jesus so that we can live more like Jesus. That's the target that we're after, and uh, as, we're, as we learned last week, as we're going to learn today and every week coming, just to give you some foreshadowing, we're going to see over and over again, there is nobody like Jesus absolutely nobody and so it is just going to be a joy to grow together as we go through this book and don't forget it was mentioned in the video but the devotional guide is a key piece so if you have not picked one up yet grab one in the lobby if you're watching online you can simply download it and print it off yourself and use it as it goes along with the sermon series and is something that you can uh, that you can use uh, for, for that. Well, today what we're going to be doing is looking at a handful of verses specifically that break down into six different scenes. Almost think of like a sitcom, if you will. And we're going to work through these different scenes. And, and what we're going to see is that Mark, and I, I told you about this last week, but Mark moves very quickly. He he has a scene, if you will. He kind of shares a story, if you will. And then he jumps very quickly to the next one, then the next one, then the next one. And, and this is going to be no different. And so we're going to be moving through these different scenes very quickly this morning. But here's what's going to be cool about it is that you and I get to be a fly on the wall, if you will, and watch and observe Jesus in action. Sort of like what would it have been like to be one of the disciples? You ever wonder that? What would it have been like to, to be there and to, to, to see him and, and to hear him teach and to, and to serve and to love and to do miracles? I mean, to, to behold all of that. Well, that's what we get to do this morning. And I hope, again, that you walk away with just this overwhelming sense. We sang about it already this morning, that there is no one better than Jesus. No one better. And so that's our goal this morning. So we're going to jump right in because we have communion to get to, which I'm excited about. Here is scene number one, Mark chapter one. We're going to start in verse 21. So look with me there. It says this. It says they, this is speaking of Jesus and his disciples. They went to Capernaum. And when the Sabbath came, so this is Saturday, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. I want to pause here real quick because that photo there is the synagogue in Capernaum. That's where Jesus was. And so it, it, this, is, this is real life. This isn't just theory or, or whatnot. This actually happened in history. And so Jesus is in this setting. and He's teaching in the synagogue as a guest teacher, if you will. 
It continues, it says, the people were uh, amazed. Now, this in the Greek is a very strong word. And amazed, it's a good word, but I don't know if it fully captures it. Think of something like stunned, speechless, jaw on the ground. I mean, Jesus is teaching and they're like, they can't believe what they're hearing in terms of what's going on. It says, the people were amazed or stunned at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Now, if you have your Bible, um, digital or paper, whichever version, would you underline, circle something, the word authority there? That is a key word in this whole passage as well as this scene that we have right here. This word authority, which we know the word, what it literally means is out of the original stuff. That's what the word authority means. It means something that comes out of the original stuff. It actually is where the, the, it comes from the root word author, which makes sense. The word author is in the word authority. It comes from author. And this is why this is so important. And the point is this, is that Jesus, the reason they're stunned is Jesus didn't teach like the other rabbis or like me for that matter. Because, because for Jesus, he didn't teach about God he taught as God. He, he didn't teach as somebody who knew the author of Scripture. He taught as the author. That's the difference. He spoke with authority, and the people knew something's different here. This guy doesn't teach like anybody else. And this is perfect because we know Jesus in person and character. He is the Word. John chapter 1, especially verses 1, verses 14. You can check those out, where, where Jesus is described as the word, as Jesus is truth, that it's him. And so he begins by teaching with authority. That's scene number one. Mark then just pivots right away, and we go on to scene number two. Now, the crowd is already amazed in the synagogue. Look with me now at verse 23. It says, just then, a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit, or in other words, demon, cried out, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? Uh, we know who you are, the Holy One of God. Now, first of all, what I find interesting is that this man who's possessed by, by demons was in the synagogue. That's interesting. In other words, you never know who's going to show up. And so here we have this guy, and, and, and he has this possession situation going on. He makes a scene. And, and notice the demons are very clear about who Jesus is. There is no mistaking that they know who Jesus is. Now, a lot of people don't get Jesus, but ironically, the demons do. And so, and so they begin to call out who Jesus is. Now, Jesus engaged this man. Look with me now, verse 25. He says, be quiet. Jesus said sternly, come out of him. And the impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. And the people were all so amazed that they asked each other, what is this? A new teaching and with authority. It keeps going. He even then gives uh, orders to impure spirits and they obey him. And news about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. So, so they were stunned before. Now they're super stunned. I mean, they just can't believe what's going on. They, they, can't, they can't take this all in. He speaks with authority, and now Jesus demonstrates that he has authority over the spiritual world. He speaks, and the demonic obey. And in this case, they, they leave the man. These people are in shock, and as we just read, they begin to spread the word. That's scene two. 
Jump to scene three. Like I said, this just keeps moving along here. Verse 29, let's pick up there. It says, as soon as uh, they, again, Jesus and the disciples, left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Now, just like the synagogue, here's a picture of where we have pretty good certainty that this was uh, Peter and Andrew's home. Now, during the sermon series we did on the 12, we walked through the 12 disciples. We went in more depth about where Peter lived and Andrew in terms of their home there in Capernaum. But there's a reminder again of the setting of where they most likely were at and where the scene we're about to read took place. It continues on. It says, Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever and they immediately told Jesus about her. And so he went to her, took her hand and helped her up. And the fever left her, and she began to wait on them, which was evidence of the healing. Look, they haven't even had lunch yet. And they've got this amazing teaching going on. Jesus driving out demons, communicating he has authority over the spiritual world. And now we see in this scene here that he, he heals Peter's mother-in-law, showing that he has authority also not only over the spiritual world, but over the physical world. I mean, this, this is incredible. He, he just takes her hand and the fever left. He, he, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't pray. He didn't plead. He didn't do a healing dance. He just said, get up. And she did. And she was, and she was healed. And Jesus today, as a reminder, still has authority over sickness. He still is the one who, is, who has authority over that. And, and, and we don't heal anybody, but, but God does. And so we, we trust him and we, we pray. We pray over situations and we pray for healing and we trust God's sovereignty and goodness. And we fully acknowledge, too, that there's times when we don't, we don't get the why. why. Why did you heal in that situation but not in this one? And we don't know. But we understand and trust God's leadership and his goodness in our lives and over our lives. And so here we see again Jesus' authority, in this case, over the physical world. Scene number four. Let's pivot. Jesus has had a big day already, but he's not done. Look with me at verse 32. It says, that evening after sunset, so the Sabbath is over. So now that the Sabbath is over, people are willing to come out of their homes and they're willing to, to travel. And so the people brought to Jesus all the, the sick and the demon-possessed and the whole town gathered. The, those who study this in history and biblical history estimate that Capernaum around this time was a few hundred people. Not a big community, but, but still uh, there's a population. So it's 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 conceivable that there's, there's hundreds that are showing up here at this scene to explore Jesus, to see what's going on. And of course, as we just read, bringing the sick, bringing the demons possessed. So again, the whole town gathered at the door and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Again, another incredible scene. The people show up and they're packed around the house. They're, they're in the house. They're packed around the house outside, lining up. It's getting dark. And Jesus, as the servant, he's had a big day, but he goes out and he begins to love the people and spend time with them and heal them and touch them and pray for them and drive out demons 
And as this is happening, you can imagine there's probably celebrations going on outside. People hooping and hollering and amazed at what God is doing. The kingdom here, Jesus here, working and serving and loving these people. And notice too, by the way, for the second time, the demons begin to speak and call out who Jesus is. The first one was in verse 25, and now we have it right here in the passage we just read. And again, Jesus quiets the demons. Why? Because they have no part in his ministry. Jesus will speak for himself. He will not allow the demonic to speak on his behalf. And so he quiets them. And we see that every time throughout the Gospels. Now we get to scene number five. We're still going. By the way, this is all within a 24-hour period. It's been a huge day. And who knows how late into the night Jesus was with the people and loving and serving them. You can imagine the disciples are exhausted as the crowds begin to go home. And then things begin to quiet down a little bit. Everybody's probably ready to like, we're ready to go to sleep. Like this was a full day of ministry, but not Jesus. Not Jesus. Look with me at verse 35. And here we're going to read about a key practice that Jesus often did. It, was a, it did. it was a pattern of his life and ministry. It says this, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up and he left the house and he went off to a solitary, or literally it means lonely, place where he prayed. And the Greek there for he prayed indicates that it wasn't just a quick prayer. He, for hours, just praying, spending time with his father, seeking him, talking to him. It says that Simon and his companions went to, to look for him, to, to hunt him down, if you will. And when they, they found him, and again, the Greek indicates in the grammar that he was still praying. So they, they come upon Jesus who's been praying for hours. It's dark. Maybe the sun's beginning to come up. And he's still in prayer when they find him. And they exclaimed, everyone is, is looking for you. Jesus, the crowds love you. The, the crowds are excited about you. All the things that you're doing, you, you just disappeared on us. We, you need to come back. And Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so that I can preach there also. And that is why I've come. And so he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and driving out demons. I think this is pretty important and pretty instructive in terms of as an example to us. Jesus' ministry is exploding. Uh, this is good. I mean, the people are coming. News is spreading about him, about him everywhere. There's, there's lives being changed. There's incredible, amazing things that are, are happening. The disciples are just absolutely in shock at what they see going on. You can imagine they're ready to start printing Jesus t-shirts and booking speaking engagements. Like, this is an amazing thing that's going on as they're so excited. And yet Jesus says, yeah, we're not going to go back to that town. We're going to go to some other places. Some other, maybe smaller villages where there's people. Because I want to reach them too. And so he changes course there. But I love too that Jesus left the busy to be alone and to pray. You know, something about us that I think is a good reminder is that you can learn a lot about a person by watching how they respond to success. And Jesus here is a tremendous example. It never captivated him. Because, see, Jesus was much more interested in the quality of people's response to him than the quantity of people's response to him. He loved the crowds, but he also engaged the single person. 
It didn't matter how, what, what was going on there. He loved and he served and he, he pointed people to the Lord, no matter who he engaged with. But he was looking for a quality heart change response. That's what he was after. Jesus is a great example to us. Prayer is never a waste of time. I've never met a single person who got to the end of their life and said, you know, I think I spent too much time praying. It's actually quite the opposite. We get oftentimes very busy doing things for God that we forget just to be with him and to enjoy him. And maybe for some of us, that's an action step this morning of, you know what, I think I need to, as I look at the week ahead, I need to be intentional and carve out some moments and some places and a place where I'm going to go and just spend time with him in prayer. Well, this brings us to our last scene, number six. Like I mentioned, we're moving quick. The last one, verse 40, and we'll wrap up in verse 45. It said, A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus was indigent. That's hard to say. He was angry. That's what the text indicates. But there's also, though, there's also, um, it's interesting because in some translations it might say filled with compassion. And so it's a little bit you know, uncertain of what's going on here. Maybe angry at what the sin in terms of what's going on. But, but we know he has compassion because of how he's about to respond to this man. Jesus is willing. He reached out his hand and he touched the man who maybe is, with being a leper, is being touched for the first time in years. He said, I am willing, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. And Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell any, this to anyone, but go and show yourself to the priest. And that was a normal Jewish practice so that this man could, could be certified to be clean and to regain common, uh, normal ways of life. He could begin to have a job and be a part of the community. And it continues, and to offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your, your cleansing as a testimony to them. But instead, he went out. And he began to talk freely, spreading the news. And as a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but he stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. In other words, this guy's disobedience, it impacted Jesus' ministry, but it didn't stop it. The people still came. God's purposes were still being fulfilled. You know, it was interesting. It was only about a week or so ago. My wife, Laura, and I were with our daughter, Ashlyn, who's 10, and we were reading through this passage together. And she, she started laughing. We're like, what's so funny? She's like, this is crazy. She's like, you're telling me that the demons obey better than this guy. Yep. That's a little convicting, even in our own lives. But here we have these six scenes. I, I hope just just kind of taking them in, you could sort of in your mind's eye begin to imagine what would it have been like to be there and to watch Jesus doing all these things. He truly is the servant, loving people, healing people, teaching with authority. There is no one like Jesus. I want to close with a couple challenges, a couple action steps for for each of us this morning based on this text. And by the way, if you're like, where's the fill in the blanks? I've been like itching to write something down. Here we go. We're finally there. The first action step is this. Number one, Jesus is your example. 
He is our example. He is the one we look to. Jesus lived a life, as we're seeing already, and we will continue to see, marked by loving and serving. And so you and I are called to do the same. But I think we know this. And so I want to just try to push it a little further for you and I and ask you to do something. Um, I actually asked you to do uh, this similar thing last week as well, but, but this is going to be a little different. And I want you to memorize another Bible verse. Last week, there was one from 1 Corinthians. This week, I want to ask you to memorize this verse right here. Mark chapter 10, verse 45. Because in many ways, this verse, at least in my opinion, is the theme verse or the key verse of the entire book of Mark. We won't get to this until 2023, but nonetheless, I want us to see this now. To memorize this verse, to get it on the hard drive of your heart and your mind in terms of who God is calling you to be and how to live this out. Here it says, for even the Son of Man, this is speaking of Jesus, he did not come to be served. He came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This, this is why he came. This is Christ's example. For you and I, and I'll refer to this over and over again in this series, the challenge is going to constantly be, will you live given? There's a sign right there that says that, given. That's why that's there. That you and I would come to a place where we would live given, wherever it is he's called you. And maybe this morning, that's your biggest question. It's like, I'm, I'm willing to serve the Lord, but I don't know what where to do that. Like, I don't quite have clarity about what that looks like in my life. And if that's where you're at, here's what I want to encourage you to do at least one of two things or both. The first one is this. Ask him. He'll tell you. Just ask him and then wait. And wait on him. He'll show you where he wants you to serve. He'll show you where he wants you to be. He'll direct you in that. But also another step, and, and you see the logo there. We already talked about the class, but I just can't encourage you enough. If you want to know more about God's leadership in this world and over your life, if you want to know more about what does it look like and mean to, to follow Jesus, and what does it look like to understand and discern calling? How, how do I know what he's calling me to, to do and to be about and how to respond to that? That's what this class is for. The number of people just at New Hope whose lives have been radically transformed and ministries that have come out of this class is, is remarkable. And so I would encourage you to carve out the time, take this class. It will change your life because Jesus works through his word with this class to do that. And so you can use your connection card again to, to, to sign up for that. There's a box in the lobby. Drop it in there. If you're watching online, just write it in the text bar there, and we'll get your information, or you can go online and sign up on the website. But I would encourage you to check that out. So there's the first one. Jesus is your example. And number two, as we begin to close this morning, is this. Guard your heart and your life. This morning, we, and even last week, but we're beginning to, to get a sense of, of we have a real enemy and spiritual warfare is very, very real. We were already seeing passages here that talk about demon possession. We know there's other passages in the Bible that talk about demonic influence. And that might be a little unnerving and scary. And there's going to come a time when we're going to take a whole sermon series and just take on spiritual warfare and deal with that topic. But for today, I just want to offer one thought and one encouragement for all of us. And that is just this idea that fill in the blank you just did, that you would guard your heart and your life. Because here's why. Because some of, some of you, some of us, whether online or here on campus, and you maybe didn't realize you were doing it, but you have opened up your life to any kind of influence. 
You've opened up your home to anything. Any, any, any idea, any philosophy, any movie, and anything is sort of is a go. And that's impacted you. For example, how many of you tonight would go home and you would open up all your doors, your exterior doors, and all the windows of your house? How many of you would do that tonight and then every night just sort of live that way? The doors are always open. The windows are always open. Anything can just come and go in your home. And you're like, well, no, none of us would do that. And it's raining. Why would I do that? No, that's a comparison because spiritually, some of you do the exact same thing. There's no filter. There's no discernment. We're comfortable with sin. We're entertained by sin. It's on our smart TV and we toggle through in any kind of movie with any kind of rating. We, we, just, we sort of let it into our hearts, let it into our mind, our eyes, into our home. And again, we're vulnerable. And we spiritually wonder why we struggle. And what I want to challenge all of us to do today is to consider and do some evaluation in your own life. Where do I need to put up a guard? And when it comes to a real enemy and real evil influence and a culture that will not help you draw closer to Jesus, it won't. Where do you need symbolically now to say, you know what, enough is enough. I'm shutting the windows. I'm shutting the door. Get out of my house. Get out of my marriage. Get out of the lives of my kids. Where do you need to make some decisions with that? Where do you need to find some filters? What screen does that need to go on? And I know I'm talking in very vague ways, but I want to challenge you. As followers of Jesus, we should live different. Our lives should look different. Everything about us should be different. And for some of us, it is time to put up the wall and to say no more. As for me and as for my house, we will serve Jesus. And every other influence and every other philosophy and every other spirit and every other whatever is not all welcome in my home. I challenge you with this. I'm challenging myself with this. That we would take a step toward holiness in our lives. This honors him. You'll never regret it. I challenge you to give some thought to that this week in your own home. And you know, one place that we're seeing these kinds of things, this kind of victory take place is in New Hope's recovery ministries. I want to show you this slide. New Hope, I don't know if you know this, there are seven different recovery groups that take place. Recovering Grace, we have Unchained for Men and Women, Restored Hearts, Embracing Hope, Grief Share, um, Ultimate Journey. I mean, the list goes, goes on of these different ministries that are doing great work. And September is National Recovery Month. And I want to encourage you today that you would, uh, if you don't know anything about these ministries, there's a, a table in the lobby by the Expanding Hope information wall there. And I want to encourage you to go and learn more about them. Get some information. Meet some of the people. Hear some of their stories about how God is working in their life uh, through a recovery process, no matter what sort of the details of their lives is. But can I tell you what is actually very true? The truth is, we're all in recovery, or at least we should be. 
Because some of us here in this room or watching online, you'd say, I'm a recovering hypocrite. Or I'm recovering from selfishness or pride or anger or an addiction. That's the truth. It isn't that we have the well-put-together people of New Hope and then we have these other folks over here that are dealing with something. The truth is we're all dealing with something. And that's part of, and I love this, that's part of what makes church uh, beautiful and messy. It's both and. Because again, we are not a collection of well-put-together people. We're not perfect people. We are forgiven people. We are people that have been transformed as a community by the hope and the victory of Jesus Christ and who he is in your life. If you walked in here this morning and you had something in your mind and heart that says, I'm going to put on the best smile I've got, but I hope nobody knows what's going on actually inside my heart. I hope I'm never discovered. Can I just tell you, I'm so glad you're here and you're in the right place because just about everybody else has the exact same thing. See, we trust in Jesus. We look to Jesus. We rely on Jesus. We worship Jesus. He's the one that made every difference. How did he do it? The cross. The cross. The Son of God, the perfect one who stepped down from heaven, born into this world, who went to the cross to pay the sin debt that all of us have. The junk is there in all of our hearts and all of our lives. But Jesus said, let me take it. And on that cross, he became sin in our place, paying the penalty there as he suffered physically and spiritually detached from his father. Why? So that you and I could experience a second chance relationship with Christ. If you have never made that decision to place your trust in Jesus, again, whether you're here watching online, let's make today that day. After the service, there's going to be some folks up here to pray with you, and they will walk you through that process to help you make that decision to trust in Jesus. But for everybody else this morning, for those of you who have placed your trust in Jesus, we get to celebrate. We get to remember what Jesus did. We get to tell him thank you. I'd like to invite the gentlemen that are going to help us serve this morning, the communion elements, if you would come on up. And today we're going to do something a little different. Uh, For those of us on, on campus here, if you're watching online, it's a good time to run to the kitchen, grab some bread and juice or something equivalent, and you can uh, partake with us. But today we're going to be, uh, we're going to be uh, dispersing the elements. So you're not actually going to get up and come get them. We're going to bring them to you. So uh, my encouragement is as the worship team is playing, uh, the bread's going to come first and then the juice after that. Now regarding the bread table, uh, there is the tray has the bread and inside the tray is a smaller bowl that has the gluten-free wafers. And so if that's the best fit for you, grab from the smaller bowl in the center. The other bread is on the outside. As the elements are being passed, this is what I ask you to do. Enjoy time with Jesus. Spend time with him. Tell him thank you for the cross. Tell him thank you for what he did. Or maybe there's something in this message that for you, you need to come and to say, you know what, Lord, I have the windows and doors symbolically of my life wide open for far too long. Would you help me to do some closing up and to get some areas of my life right with you? And so at this time now, I'd like to invite the gentleman. We'll go ahead and begin to pass the bread. Hold on to the bread, hold on to the cup, and we're going to partake together in just a few moments.
Mark 10.45 again. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And this morning we celebrate that and we tell God thank you for the gift of Jesus. The night of he was betrayed, he took bread for the new covenant and he said, this represents my body that's given for you. Remember me whenever you partake. Let's partake together. That same evening before it was done, he took a cup of wine. He said, this represents my blood spilled for you. Whenever you partake of this, remember me and the sacrifice that he made. Let's do that together this morning as we partake. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning we tell you thank you. As a collection of people that you, that you love and pursue, you are so good and faithful to us. And Father, it's not because we're perfect and well put together, but Father, because we have found our hope in you alone. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for the example of Jesus, and we thank you for the cross. And now we worship you in response this morning. It's in Christ's name we pray, his holy and precious name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Please stand and join us as we respond in worship through song.
Praise God. Thanks for worshiping with us this morning. As a reminder, there are folks available to pray this morning, and we encourage you to do that if you would like to this morning. God bless. Have a wonderful week.